This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Welcome to the PR Pod, the essential podcast for public relations professionals. My guest, Wade Kingsley, is an expert in harnessing creativity. His company, The Ideas Business, runs training courses to help people unlock their creative potential. So if you feel creativity is not your strong suit, or you just want to find out how to work through a creative block, think of Wade as your creative guardian angel. Wade, welcome to the PR Pod. Hi, Brooke, and that's the first time ever I've been described as a creative guardian angel. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there's pressure now to have wings and halos and all those sort of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll live up to your guardian angel uh, status. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so something we hear time and time again in PR and quite possibly in um in other industries is that you're either uh, a creative person or a strategic person. Uh, do you think people are born more creative than others? Uh, absolutely not. Um, and look, this is one of the challenges we have as humans. We love to label things. We love to say people are this or that people are that. And the reality, of course, is that we're all very interesting blends of everything um, in life. And when it comes to creativity, we are all born with the same creative abilities. We all have the same potential to use those creative abilities at childhood and what happens is some of us are encouraged and developed to go down that path and others not so much and what tends to happen particularly in those sort of preschool years those zero to three four years is that we do a lot of creative acts at that age Um, we're very curious which is is a strong part of creative thinking uh we love to make things we love to paint we love to draw we love to break things um there's a lot of things that happen as creative acts as a, as a child and what tends to happen is the parental environment um the school environment the family environment encourage or discourage you um for better or for worse and and so what i tend to find is i meet a lot of people now in my work obviously who go well i'm not creative i'm just not creative And so I go, well, that's rubbish. It's not true. Um, And it's about getting people to recognise what daily acts of creativity they undertake. And that helps them understand, oh, okay, so maybe I'm creative, but just not in the way that society tells me so. Because society says creativity equals art. Okay, so if you can play a musical instrument, you must be creative. If you can paint, you must be creative. But we don't give the same recognition to creativity in industries such as PR, which is a hugely creative industry with lots of creative people working in it. We don't give it to areas such as science or maths or law. But creativity at its essence is about creating something different. And if you can create something different that hasn't gone before, then you are undertaking a creative act. And it really kind of annoys me in part because people go, well, I'm just not creative. But it also presents a business opportunity for me to help them. So um, it's one of those... (laughs) One of those weird things that, you know, people people are only more creative than others if they have been working at it in a different way and for probably for longer. So those those people we kind of hold up as really great creative people. I mean, we all do it, right? We go, oh, Steve Jobs is so creative. You know, Lady Gaga, so creative. Um, what What is happening with those people is if you think of them more in terms of like an athlete. So an athlete has the same potential to be an athlete when they're born as anyone but what happens is they show some developmental progress in being an athlete so let's say they you know a fast runner and I see this with my kids right you know one of them's a fast runner one isn't so you go oh 
well then let's get them some running coaching and let's help them be a really fast runner in case they want to become a professional athlete when they grow up. And so, and creativity is the same, is that you actually have this notion that it's you're born with or you're not. But if you think of it more of a skill base that you can develop, what's happening with the Steve Jobs and Lady Gaga's is that they have been encouraged and they repeat the exercises and they practice and they boost their creative potential for longer. And so when you look at these people and go, well, I could never be as creative as those people, what you're actually saying is those people have put in a lifetime of work into their creativity and all they really are compared to you are the professional athletes. You know, if you've got two legs, you can walk. Uh, if you can walk, you can run. What you're looking at with an Olympic athlete is that they've just been running for longer and practicing distance and putting a work into it as any professional skill set is. So it's, it's, it's no different. And creativity has to be moved away from this kind of mythology that it's a God-given gift and only some people have it and some people don't because the, the reality is it's completely untrue. So how much do creativity and strategy intersect? Well, they intersect a lot um, because strategic thinking and creative thinking are good dance partners uh, is the best way I'll describe it. Um, usually, if you can think strategically, it, it requires a level of invention, if you like. And creativity is nothing but trying to imagine forward. It's trying to go, you know, I, I can... I can see a potential for this. So in the PR context, you know, you might have a, a business challenge that you're helping a business overcome and you know that you've got certain skill set as a PR professional that you can help uh, with that business. And you often go, right, so I need to think strategically about this brief. You know, I need to engage a certain audience to purchase this product, to be aware of this launch of this business, to, to whatever the PR outcomes are. But you're actually undertaking creative acts to do that. Because creating is things that don't exist. I'll give you the best analogy I can give you, Brooke, is is with cooking, right? So if you're cooking to a recipe, you are executing someone else's creative act. So someone else has gone and they have tried, probably failed, tested, um, got a recipe to a point that they feel like it's so good that it can go into a book. Right. And then when you go and cook it, if you follow it to the absolute letter and do not change a thing, then what you are doing is executing someone else's creative act. But if you change one thing, if you cook it for 25 minutes instead of 20, if you add paprika instead of some other herb, if you swap out meat for chicken, that's a creative act because you are deciding something that doesn't yet exist and you are making your choice. And so strategy is the same thing. Strategy is about considering, thinking, looking ahead, looking at options. And unless it already exists, they're all creative acts. So do you think a better way to look at it or a more helpful way to look at it is not necessarily I'm a creative person or I'm not a creative person, um, but think of it as problem solving. So I've got a problem, I can develop a solution. How that solution comes about, whether that comes about because, you know, you can put together, you know, 10 different amazing ideas on the spot or whether you go away and think about it for a day and think about the elements and come back. At the end of the day, you're a problem solver. Yeah. Do you think that's a more helpful way to look at it for, for people who, I guess, feel blocked by the fact that they are not creative? Yeah, you know? absolutely. It is a more helpful way. And creative problem solving is a great way to, to describe it because at the end of the day, what you're being engaged to do as a PR professional is helping someone solve a problem. So the business is saying, right, we have this product we want to launch. We want to get mass awareness for it. And your role as a PR professional is to use your experience, use your intuition, use your strategic thinking, use your creativity, 
And all of that bundled together, and, and again, we've got to be careful about just labelling things for the sake of it. The reality is you have the ability in your brain to help them solve that problem using methodology that effectively is problem solving creative, creatively or strategically. Now, one of the challenges I think is that when we get sucked into the label world, when we go, I'm not creative, I am creative, I'm also, I am strategic, I'm not strategic, you're basically trying to say, look, I only swim in one lane. And I don't think I've met a PR person or a media person or a marketing person yet that has only ever swum in one lane. Like, I think the notion that, you know, oh, well, I'll do this bit because I'm good at this, but someone else needs to do that bit because they're good at that. Like, classic case is, you know, you, you may be a PR person who is more executionally driven, let's say, and you might lean executionally driven because you like it more and therefore you're more experienced and you're more passionate about it. That doesn't mean you're incapable of coming up with the creative solution. You don't need to outsource that work. You don't need to say, oh, well, what I'll do is I'll just get that person over there to come up with some ideas and then I'll pick from that and I'll execute that. What you need to be able to do is say, I am capable of coming up with creative solutions. I am capable of being able to see a way to solve this problem for the business. The more we kind of go down the path of, right, I need to be creative now or I'm not that creative. That's where the trap door is really. That's where people get stuck because creativity is a confidence game. At the end of the day, if you feel more confident to be creative, you will be more creative. It's as simple as that. Now, how you get that confidence is the hard part, for sure. I'm not saying it's like snap your fingers and you'll be more creative. Uh, it does take work. But it takes the same amount of work that, again, with the physical fitness and athletes, is that they understand that in order to achieve the goal, they've got to do the work. And we've got to think of creative thinking and strategic thinking like that. So if I was to wake up tomorrow and say, right, I'm going to do the New York Marathon, you would say, Wade, you're a bit crazy. Now, clearly, I'm a physically fit, good-looking guy, Brooke, aren't I? <laughs> I can see that. I can attest to that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And I'm sitting here in my active wear, so you can see that I've kind of got the attitudes right. But, but what, what is implicit in that statement is that I know in order to run the New York Marathon, I need to first start walking, right? I've got legs. I can start walking. And then I need to build the walking into jogging. And then I need to build the jogging into running. And then I need to run at distance. And then I might do half marathons until I get to the stage where I feel physically fit enough to do the New York Marathon. So in terms of physical strength, at the moment, as we sit here, I have no less or more ability than any other runner but I need to do the work. And what happens, of course, is not everyone makes it to the New York Marathon stage, right? Not everyone becomes that person. But if you don't start walking, you'll never get there, yeah? And so with creative thinking, if you don't start giving yourself the confidence and permission to be creative, then you actually will never get there. If you if you default to, well, I'm not creative, so I'll get someone else to do it, well, then it, you, you won't change. But if you start giving yourself permission to say, well, hang on, I know that creativity is a skill. It's something I can learn then you start the unblocking process and that's where I sort of come in and help people from that point. So in addition to giving yourself permission to go down that path, what do you need to understand about yourself to be able to harness creativity? Well, the, the, best, the best thing that happens, and I do this in my sort of workshops and sessions, is I always start with this question. I say, hands up if you think you're creative. And I reckon I've done, I should actually keep a tally of this, but I would have easily done over a thousand of these in the last three years since I started my business. Um, and to a T, it's usually about two-thirds say, yes, I am, and one-third say, I'm not. I don't know why those stats are. I don't have any scientific basis, but that, that's the result that for some reason spits out a lot. It's around about that mark. And so when I ask the people who don't who say they're not creative, why not? 
um, the reason is always confidence. It's not that they're not, it's that they just don't feel like they can answer that question and say, well, I don't, I don't feel like I can say I'm creative because they're comparing. Well, I know that guy over there, he's really creative. And if he's saying he is, that must mean I'm not. Okay, so let's work on that bit. Let's un unblock the reasons why you think you're not creative. And the very first thing I do is try and get people to recognise their everyday acts of creativity. So everyday acts of creativity are things like changing the recipe, right? So we don't see that as a creative act because it's not painting a painting or composing an opera. It's like, well, hang on. It's still a creative act because it wasn't a set instruction you followed. You actually changed something and therefore it becomes a creative act. If you're driving to work and you take a left turn instead of a right one day, just because that's a creative act. Yeah. If you are driving home from work and you're going, what am I going to have for dinner? And you try something you haven't tried before, that's a creative act. And so we've got to kind of demystify a lot of the things that people believe about creativity in order to unlock that confidence because everyone is doing creative acts every single day. No, for example, what you're wearing today, that leather jacket and the black top, right? Is there an instruction somewhere in your house that says on this date you must wear those clothes? There is not, no. no right, and I'd be worried if there was because, I mean, that's a different, <laughs> that's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> but let, let's say, right, so, so you have woken up this morning and you have made a creative act. So what you've done is someone, someone has made those clothes, so that, that's their creative act. You have gone into a store or you've gone online and you've purchased those clothes, so that's your creative act. And today you've decided to combine that top with that jacket and pants and whatever, and that's a creative act. And the more we begin to recognise we are already creative, we are already doing creative acts, it's more of a fast track to being able to unlock that creative confidence. The more we don't acknowledge that, we get stuck in the muck and we say, well, I'm not creative, I'm not creative, I'm not creative. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you keep saying that you're not, well, then okay, but... We need to unlock that thinking because you don't get towards that sort of growth mindset um, of, of embracing creativity and doing more with it unless you actually open the door and say, yes, I give myself permission. So one of the things I struggle with, because, um, you know, full disclosure, I think I've certainly put myself in the category of being strategic and not creative previously. However, I've got to the point in my career and my life and my experience where I understand that I have got enough experiences and enough knowledge to be able to apply that to a situation and to be able to craft a solution through that. So I know I'm a great problem solver and that has come through experience in life. What I'm not particularly good at is, um, and you know, it doesn't necessarily happen a lot these days, but if someone says, okay, let's sit down right now and let's brainstorm five ideas for something. So for people that I guess become overwhelmed in those situations um, and struggle to spit out ideas again when you compare yourself to other people what recommendations would you have for those situations okay so the very it's a great question because weirdly i'm the same person right so i i don't like that environment of like okay let's spit out five ideas now i can probably do it gun to the head i can do it but i don't like it i don't enjoy it and like most things in our professional lives we gravitate towards not only the things we enjoy doing and if we're lucky enough to work for ourselves or work in small businesses, you can kind of generally carve out your area of passion and the things you like doing. But what's really important to recognise is that not everyone thinks the same. And so if we're comparing, uh, okay, that guy over there, he's like, if I go to him, he's going to just spit out five ideas really quickly. Isn't he awesomely creative? Well, yes, but what he's doing is he's 
preferred method of executing that creativity might be that spitballing style. Yeah. Now I'm a, I'm a reflector. I like to, for instance, for instance, I like reading things, right? I'm a huge reader and I'm a like read something, take it in, reflect on it, come back the next day and I'll have a thought. I was sleep. I'm a really good deep sleeper. Um, sleep is really important for creativity because your subconscious mind gets going. Um, especially if you give it a task to do, like there's a really great creative thinking technique around actually activating your subconscious the night before with you go to sleep and say subconscious, I need you to think of some launch ideas for this business that I'm working with tomorrow. I'll see you in the morning. You wake up in the morning <laughs> and your subconscious usually spits out some random stuff, right? Like you've usually got, gee, what have monkeys and bananas got to do with that seafood business? I've got no idea, but it'll spit out stuff that it's been thinking about. But so I, I'm a, I'm a sit, reflect, and come back with ideas person. And I'm a, I'm a, I would say I'm a more of a quality of ideas person rather than a quantity. So I'll go away and think, and I'll come back with one or two things that I think will do the job rather than 10 things that some are good, some aren't. And so the first thing you've got to understand is what kind of thinker are you? You know, do you like that pressure? Some people really like that pressure of that environment. Um, and some people don't. And I would say if you're feeling like you're in the spot where you're not feeling confident with your creativity, the first thing to do is in order to work out what kind of thinker you are is give yourself room to breathe. Don't put yourself in the scenario where you have to think up things on the spot because that's usually where you get to those elite athlete stage, right? They, they can do it because they've been doing it for longer and they've been practicing for longer and they've had as many bad ideas as good. But what they do really well is they can spitball and we can't just look at that and go, oh, well, that means they're really creative. It doesn't. It means they're executing their preferred style. So if you're feeling like that, okay, well, I want to improve my creativity. That's step number one. Everyone is born creative. It's a skill I can learn. Great. Cool. Tick that off. The next thing is to go, what kind of thinker am I? And put yourself in a real life scenario where you've been given a perhaps a brief from a client or you've had a, you know, sometimes you sit with a client and they've got no idea what they want, um, but you know what they've engaged you for. So you kind of tease that information out and you've got to put a reverse brief back together sort of thing. And then to go, right, what, what do I normally like doing? Do, am I a thinker that likes to look at stuff on a screen or am I a thinker that likes to print stuff off and scribble over the paper, right? Get that down. Am I a thinker that likes to, um, do I think of ideas in the shower? You know, like I, a lot of people report the most common areas to think of new ideas are exercise. So going for a walk or a run because, you know, that notion of clearing your head. Um, going for a drive. You know, if you go for a drive, even though you should be, concentrating 100% on the road it's if you turn the music off and turn the radio off and everything you'll find that things enter your head uh some people like that some people like the shower I love the shower I'm a shower thinker I have long warm showers particularly in the winter um and I let the thoughts sort of come into my mind and so you've got to recognize those patterns about yourself and don't worry about what is this the best creative thinking pattern just work out where you do your best thinking and you you should know You, you should even if you're feeling modest about yourself you should have a rough idea and then channel that into when you do your creative thinking first. So if you already like thinking when you're um, scrolling through your phone, then that's when you should also do some creative thinking. If you already like it when you're exercising, that's when you should do it and so on. So it's about knowing your strengths. If you don't not yet know your strengths, ask someone else what they think. Say, listen, what do you think my strengths are You know, when it comes to thinking? Do you think that I'm really good when I do this or do you think I'm better when I do that? One of the things that I used to do when I was um, earlier in my career and I was in a, you know, a much larger team environment is if I had a manager or a colleague say, right, we, can we get everyone together this afternoon for an hour because we're going to chat through some ideas for this new client or this new campaign we're working on. 
I would then go back to that person and say, no problem at all. Can you give me some some more information now because I'd like to come to that meeting prepared? Because, I, again, I guess it's about recognising I'm not going to be particularly um, helpful in this situation on the spot, but I'm happy to put aside half an hour of my time or whatever it may be between now and that meeting so I can come to that meeting and prepare, be prepared and feel like I'm actually contributing something. So I think that's also worthwhile if you've got the ability of, of time um, is to go back to your colleague or your manager, et cetera, and, um, and, and ask them for that information so you can, again, be a little bit more prepared. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's, again, it's a great step in recognising what you, what you like doing and what you're good at. Invariably, what you like doing is what you become good at. Right, for, yeah. and, and in and this kind of environment, I know, for example, um, that I do my best thinking on my own. Now, I, can, I absolutely can collaborate, no problem, and I like collaboration and I like teamwork. But what I absolutely love, and it's probably because I'm a bit more introverted than extroverted, um, is that my preference is to be kind of left alone with my thoughts. I actually really enjoy that because I also know that the it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I get the reward out of that. I can come up with stuff that is a bit more um, original. I can, I can think of problems in a different way. Um, I can research. I love researching. I love reading. You know, and we, and we have to remember that every problem we're presented by a business, as a PR professional, every problem that comes to us has been solved before. Every single problem. If someone's coming to you and going, oh, look, we've got this new problem, you know, sales are down. Well, okay, increasing sales is not a new problem for business. It might be new to you in your business, and but it's not new to your category. And it's definitely not new to commercial enterprises world over. Neither is acquiring clients, retaining clients, launching brands, putting on a launch event, whatever um, actual execution, it has been done before. And so why I like researching is I always start from the position of, this problem must have been solved somewhere. I want to go and find that. I want to go and discover it. And then I can adapt what has been done before to this scenario because there's no such thing as a new idea. It's absolutely rubbish. We kind of set ourselves up with these precedents and sometimes clients lead us down this path where they say, we need a new idea. And if someone says that to you, you should say, look, there's no such thing as a new idea. I'm sorry. There's plenty of original ideas. And it might be original to your category, your business, or it might be original to this country or this timing, but there's nothing that's new. And it gives you permission then to go, well, who's solved this problem before and what have they done? Okay, so it's about launching um, a new consumer brand. We need to put on a launch event. Uh, we need to get some um, trade press. We need to get some consumer press. Great. Um, so who's launched a restaurant before and what have they done? And use that as inspiration. We, we often start with a blank page and that's the worst thing you can do for creative thinking because, you know, from a, from a writing perspective, and you know this from particularly with media releases and stuff like that, you can't edit a blank page. You have to have stuff on there. Um, and I, I love talking about the fact that um, chefs don't go into kitchens and invent vegetables, right? They don't walk in and go, right, I'm going to think up new vegetables today. They take what's already in the pantry and they go, right, well, I might use a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of that. But they're using ingredients that already exist. And when it comes to creating ideas for clients, particularly in the PR space, the ideas are already out there. Your job is to try and corral what's already out there, what's been done before, and represent it in original ways and adding different things together. And I think that's such an important point um, because I think, you know, to give an analogy between uh, with something else in PR is writing a media release. Like, you know, you would never sit down and go, right, I have to write a media release today on my new restaurant that's launching. You have to understand, you know, why 
what what the offering is going to be. Uh, is there a cocktail offering? Is there a wine offering? Where's the food philosophy come from? Where's the chef come from? Has the owner, you know, so you've got to gather all this information and then you sit down and you start writing. And, you know, I'm, it sounds like it's exactly the same process with coming up with ideas, you know, in, in the creative space, gather as much information as you can and then see how you can utilise that information. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you've got to remember that the people we hold up to be these kind of elite creative athletes, these amazing Lady Gaga, Steve Jobs of the world, what they're basically doing is they're not creating anything new. They're just connecting things together that haven't been connected before. So Steve Jobs, right, here's a good example. There's a hero worship around Steve Jobs, and I'm not saying that's not unwarranted, but let me give you some perspective around him. All he did, really, was he took personal computing, which already existed. He didn't invent personal computing. It was already it had already been done. And he paired it up. He connected it with beautiful design. So he thought, why should personal computers look shit? <laughs> why should they look like these big boxes that no one wants? Why can't they look beautiful like areas of design? And so what his, his art was, and he famously admitted this, that, that his creativity was just connecting things, connecting things up that hadn't yet been connected. He put those two things together. And if you look at every industry, every idea that's ever been created, they are made of other ideas. People have just gone... Well, there's a bit of that. I'll take a bit of, you know, if in a PR context, I'll take a bit of what Coke did with Share a Coke, right? Good idea. That was about personalization. Okay. So we're going to take the personalization out of the Share a Coke idea. And then we're going to look at the launch idea for Tourism Australia when they had that um, Lara Bingle thing. You know, they had the um, where the bloody. Where, yeah. Right. Yep. So we've got a catchphrase, right? So we'll take, we'll take personalization and catchphrase and put those two things together. And now we've got to do this for a restaurant launch, right? So how do we bring personalization from Share a Coke? a catchphrase from Tourism Australia um, and restaurant launch together. All right, well, let's have a look at what the restaurant's doing. So the food philosophy is about fresh um, and the the chef is from France. Okay, so let's go with, you know, fresh France. Um, let's try and turn that into a bit of a catchphrase, like it's only fresh if it's French, you know, something like that. That'll work. Um, and then um, let's have a look at um, the personalisation. So why don't we... When we're sending out media kits, why don't we personalise them all with their favourite French food? So rather than just send everyone the same 100 baskets of baguettes and snails, let's just say some people like snails, some people don't. So the first thing they will receive is a, uh, a something in the mail which they open up, they scan a QR code, and on that QR code they can choose what they want for lunch tomorrow from the French restaurant. Oh, I want snails, um, I don't like, you know, liver, um, I'll have steak, whatever, great. And so... Just by looking at what's already out there, just by me just making up a restaurant and going, well, here are some of the elements. I've not created anything new there. I've not gone, none of this existed before. But what I've done is gone, how do we combine personalization uh, with a catchphrase? It's only fresh if it's French. We do an execution, which is fresh. It comes the next day because you've ordered it, that kind of thing, or same day. And we've taken the attributes of the restaurant we want to promote, which is the French chef and the fact that it's fresh. And none of that is new, but it's original in the way it's been compiled and connected and put together. And that's the way to think about it. Everything you need is already out there for you to use. All the ideas are already been done. Grab them, steal them, use them, adapt them. That, that's the best way to unlock, you know, that kind of creative block when you go, oh, I can't think of anything for this. You know, and, and it's like, I guess, I've, I've written a few media releases in my time, but nowhere near as many as you would have, Brooke. But 
you never start blank, right? You start with a template. <laughs> you start with, okay, so this is about a restaurant opening. I'm going to go back to the one I did 12 months ago for that other restaurant. And I'm going to start with those pieces and I'm just going to reorder that because it's a waste of time to start blank because you know that a media release follows a certain structure. Um, you're going to have certain information at the bottom, like contact details. You're going to include some visual assets and whatever. But it's you, you feel like you can give yourself permission to borrow from your own work previously. But when it comes to ideas, you're like, oh, no, I have to think of something original. No, borrow from what you've done before, borrow from what other people have done and put them together in original, interesting ways and try that. Actually, it's funny you should mention that about borrowing from your own work or from other people's work. I literally just did that maybe... A three three or four weeks ago, I was working with a, a client that I do a, a regular project with every single year, um, and they have a new truffle menu. So the truffle season in Australia runs from about June to August-ish, depending on how long the season is. And I've done the same truffle menu. They have a different menu each year of what those items are, but they have the same concept. They have a, a bespoke truffle menu they offer alongside their cafe offering every year. Anyway, um, they didn't have one last year because of COVID, um, so, but I went back to the, the previous releases and I found um, a couple of phrases and stuff that were just amazing I was really I really surprised myself at right. <laughs> how, how good it was and I thought well no one is going to remember my media release from three years ago I take the information I repurpose it into something that is relevant now um, and it still reads really well so I saved myself this time of having to think about something completely unique in a situation where um it wasn't going to matter. No no journalist was going to say to me, hang on a second, Brooke, I recognise those four words put together in a similar way. How unoriginal of you. Um, and the client didn't either. At the end of the day, it was achieving what I needed to achieve, which was a really well thought out, articulate media release going out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, another thing that I've started to do is when I read restaurant reviews from, you know, I'm not a journalist. Yes, I'm very experienced at writing and I have been doing it for 20 plus years now, but I'm not a journalist. So when I read restaurant reviews, um, I note down phrases or words that they've used to describe a product or a chef or a venue or something. And I just kind of collate a list. So when I do have to sit down and write something, I've got this, I guess, content to draw from, which leads me into my question of, so let's say you are compiling all the information that you need for um, coming up with some ideas to solve a problem or to, um, uh, to meet the goals or objectives of your client. What should... How do you, I guess, refine that process even more to not go, right, well, here's all the information. Here's seven pages of information. How do you then distill that into what's the most appropriate information I should be drawing on to come up with some some ideas? Yeah, I mean, and I guess it's, it goes to the kind of notion that we've got to give ourselves permission um, to try stuff. Um, look, we all try and get everything right. Like we're, we're always obsessed with getting it accurate, you know, impressing clients, making sure that everything goes well. But we know the reality is that's not how it works. You know, we know that there will be as, there'll be failures from time to time. We know that things won't go as planned. We know there'll be unforeseen circumstances we can't control, which affects the outcome of our work. And, you know, I, I kind of think that if you're in a space where you are in PR or you're in marketing or you're in any industry that relies on creativity as a currency because that, that's effectively what we're dealing with. People are coming to us for our experience, our relationships, but our problem-solving abilities, so that creativity. So when we're going to trade on that currency, I think the best way you can do, do that is to remember that it's all about possibility and forget about probability because what probability does is it becomes a barrier. So if you're trying to create ideas and you're working towards what's the most likely avenue of success here, um, what's the thing that I'm con 
I can rest on laurels, uh, sorry, rest on the fact that um, this is going to work, then what you're kind of narrowing your focus into is the things that are probable. Now, it might sound counterintuitive because, of course, we all want things to work. But what you'll do by doing that is you'll ignore the possible. The possible can potentially be stuff that's never been done before, uh, stuff that um, is like that worked in pharmaceutical. I don't think that'll work in entertainment. Um, this has worked for a product launch. I don't think this will work for, you know, a retail offering. Um, but if you ignore the possibility, you ignore the opportunity to discover things that haven't been done. And I think that, you know, when we're feeling lack of confidence around our creative thinking, we do try and play it safe, uh, which is natural. That's a human trait to kind of want to get it right being a bit more conservative and maybe the client leads us in that direction too. Maybe they're just like, they haven't, haven't given us a lot of budget to work with here. Um, it's a, it's a finite task. So we, we kind of narrow our focus in. And I think a good exercise to do when you're feeling like that is to counterintuitively stop and go, right. I want to deal in the impossible here. I want to deal in that space. Like what, what wouldn't, what would they never say yes to? What don't they have the budget to do? Um, what's something that's risky for that category? Because even if you don't go with that exact idea, it may flavor your um, focused idea in a different way. So let's say I go, um, this restaurant, they've got hardly any money. Um, this French restaurant I've just made up. But by the way, it's making me hungry talking about this fresh restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this fresh restaurant I've made up um, for this conversation, they don't have much money. Um, they're a bit conservative um, and they like, they're stylish. Their tone is very stylish and prestige. So what would they never do? Well, they'd never do something that Hungry Jacks would do <laughs> to launch, right? They'd never do anything like that. Uh, they'd never do a McDonald's, you know, BTS value meal. Um, they'd never do those kind of things. So, but what can I borrow from those ideas? You know, what, what is it about the Hungry Jacks, um, you know, flame-grilled kind of offering? What is it about that that, you know, well, they talk about the burgers being better. How do they demonstrate that? Oh, well, they just did this campaign was a burger taste test. Okay, so what about... If we take the taste test element and put it into the French restaurant, so if we adapt the tone and the style of that, um, you know, how would we do a taste test in those settings, in those environments? So maybe it's a bit more refined, maybe it's a bit more prestige, maybe it's like a pop-up sort of stand on a corner um, of a street, you know, and we have kind of like a fast food kind of looking thing, but when you get inside the tent, it's actually elegant and you know, a bit of a surprise and people kind of are surprised by the experience. So just by kind of like verbalising that, um, what I'm trying to attempt to do is not just go exactly for what they want and go, well, it has to be prestige, it has to be elite, it has to be this. I've gone, let me just stop down and look outside that. Let's see what could be possible and then see if I can work that in or not. And I'd say that's a really good way to not get stuck into that kind of traditional path of thinking. I think that is a fantastic recommendation and I um, and certainly am guilty of sitting in the probable camp. I'm very much, okay, well, let's not waste our time on stuff that we can't do. Let's, we've got to meet the goals. We've got to meet the budget. Let's think of some ideas in there. And I, and I certainly know that is a, um, a weakness when I come to creating ideas because I don't think in that possible realm much well, at all. And I think what you called out there is, is the time factor, right? So this is, a, this is a, a modern challenge that everyone has. There's not enough time. And in, in terms of, you know, if you're a professional PR person, whether you're working for yourself or you're working in a, in a business, time equals money and the client pays for certain amounts of time. So you say, to, you, you talk yourself into this position. I don't mean you, I mean you 
the listener, you generally, you talk yourself into this position where you go, I don't have time to deal with that. I don't have time to bring in the impossible because it'll probably never happen. They probably can't afford it. They probably, 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 probably. And the trouble is there, you're dealing in probability. So let's move that to one side. What I just said to you then about the French restaurant and the pop-up thing from Hungry Jack's took us, what, 30 seconds? Mm-hmm. Um, and all I'm saying is just entertain the thought. You know, take the five minutes, really, just to go, okay, I'm going to park what's probable. I'm going to spend five minutes thinking about what's what's possible. And what's possible becomes such a more interesting area to play in because you start thinking like, wow, what about all these sort of things? And what if they did this? And wouldn't this be amazing? Look, I know they said they don't want an idea like this, but maybe if I present it that in this way, they might like it. Or maybe they said they haven't got the budget, but if they just squeeze a bit more out, they could do this. And, and I reckon that to a T, most people get into the PR profession in the possible space because something's drawn them into it around what PR represents and what it does and, and the relationships you have and the kind of work that you do that feels exciting and, and interesting and different and it drags you in. And then what happens, like with most industries, is we conform into the mainstream and even if your PR organisation is, um, you know, left of centre and in inverted commas, um, you still feel like you're kind of pushing out work versus enjoying what dragged you into the industry in the first place. And generally, when you're a bit younger and you get dragged into an industry, it's the bright lights and excitement that drags you in, no matter what the industry that is, but particularly with PR. And I would say that that's that's the possible you're in. That's the space you're in about anything's possible. And if you can just find five minutes on each client, each brief to bring in the impossible, it's really going to help out. So to sum up then, in terms of improving your creativity, what would be a recap of the top tips you need to keep reminding yourself when you do want to be um, put yourself into a more creative space? Well, the first thing is everyone is creative. So there's no such thing as not being creative. And the way to prove that is go back over what you did yesterday or today and look at the everyday acts of creativity. And an everyday act of creativity is unless someone specifically told you what to do, what to wear, what to eat, specifically, everything else is a creative act. Give yourself credit for doing that. And, and then start building up a, a bank of that. So think of this like, you know, okay, I'm going to run the marathon, so the first thing I do is walk. This is the walking stage. The walking stage is not just overnight you'll go, oh, now I recognise these acts, I'm super creative and I feel confident about it. Take some time. So build up um, some stamina around recognising those acts. Some people like journaling. Some people just write notes on their phone. Get to the end of the day, write down your everyday creative acts. Once you've got past that stage, then start dealing more in the possibility. You know, find find ways to bring possibility into your work. Have a think about the fact that there is no such thing as a new idea. Every idea has gone before. It's already been done. What you can do is be original in your interpretation of that idea. Um, you know, and, and Hollywood knows this better than anyone. There's no original movies out there. Everything's a version of a version of a remake of a remake. And they just change the setting. They change the plot. They change the characters. Um, they change something to make it feel different, but effectively, there's no original, no original, or no originality in, in film. Um, and then give yourself the confidence to know that the the people you believe are creative have had as many failures as they've had successes. In fact, they've had way more failures. And what they just don't do is they don't go around talking about them. I mean, you don't hear Lady Gaga talk about the 400 songs she wrote that were terrible. Yeah, it's, it's just not not what is done. But know that they exist. You know, you don't hear about the the prototypes of products that didn't make it. You don't hear about the the businesses that failed. 
all we're attuned to as humans is gravitating towards success stories, success stories. And you have to remember that behind the success was a lot of failure and a lot of hard work. And in terms of the athletes, you know, they don't win every race, uh, but they compete. And don't let a inverted commas failure knock you back because what the athletes are really good at is going, listen, I've trained for 20 years. I'm not going to let one second place blow my career. I'm going to keep going. And from creative thinking perspective, you know, I know absolutely I've had so many terribly bad ideas that don't work, um, but it doesn't stop me getting up and trying again the next day. And that, and creativity is a practice. It's a skill and you've got to put in the work if you want to get better at it. Well, thank you for your plethora of amazing tips today. Um, you're also in the process of uh, creating and launching an online course as well. So people can tap into uh, your creative magic skills wizard skills <laughs> even more um tell us a little bit about the course is it live now or when's it due to go live yeah, so it's live now we we've got um uh, july the first is our next intake um and we do monthly intake so think of it like a fitness program we've deliberately uh, fashioned it around this it's called the creative champions course um and you can find it at creativechampionscourse.com uh basically it's about teaching people to be better creative problem solvers um you know we deliberately called it creative champions because we know that people aspire to the likes of the David Bowies and Coco Chanel's and Lady Gaga's and Albert Einstein's and people like that. And we basically pick apart what they do in the course and show you the exercises and techniques that you can replicate. Because we, again, if we get ourselves away from the fact that these are these people are you know just talented because they were bestowed that talent, yes, they have talent, but they've worked at it. And so what we need to know is what skills were they doing to work at it? And we've unpicked that, we'll put it into the, to the course. Um, and it's a, it's a really easy course to do. Um, we do it over 21 days. It's a, it's a virtual course where there's videos and there's an, a workout book of exercise you can do. But it's about finding those skills that you can do that those champions did that help you become a creative champion yourself. Perfect. Well, I would highly recommend um, if you're interested in improving your creativity to take a look at that. Thank you so much for your time today, Wade. Pleasure, Brooke, and thanks for doing the podcast. It's great to have people talking about subjects like this. Yeah, I agree. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode and you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, don't forget to give the podcast a quick rating and review. As any topics you'd like to know more about and would like them featured on the podcast, drop me an email via the website. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.